Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. We talk a lot about reinforcement because it's one of our most common and useful tools. But did you know that it's just as important to know how to fade reinforcement as it is to know how to use reinforcement? So I've been doing a lot of staff training lately. And one of the most common questions I get asked is about reinforcement. So I often talk about the importance of reinforcement and how to use it during throughout the day as a proactive strategy. And one of the most common comments that I get back is, but if I give them something, they're going to want it every time. So why would I give them something to do what they're supposed to do? And my answer back is usually, well, how many of us still get M&Ms when we go to the bathroom? And usually like, oh, okay. You know, like we use reinforcement to toilet train our kids. All of us had it at some point, but no one is still giving out M&Ms every time you go to the bathroom or stickers or whatever it was. But it was reinforcement that was needed at the time to master a certain skill. And then it was faded either naturally or intentionally. And that's how it is with any kind of reinforcement that we use. I would love M&Ms for uh, going to the bathroom. We can make it work. We can make it happen. We could do this, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, this podcast really isn't about what reinforcement is, but just as a brief overview, you know, reinforcement is typically, you know, usually presenting a preferred item or activity, and it's usually delivered after a positive response to increase the future likelihood of behavior, right? This could also be praise. It could also be a token. It's really about saying, hey, you did a really great job on this. Let's continue to do this. Let's continue to, to, to do this over and over again. We really want to increase that skill happening in the future. So for more information on reinforcement and implementing reinforcement, go check out our video on that, on how to use reinforcement properly. Today, we're going to talk about something called, you know, fading reinforcement um, or thinning schedules of reinforcement. For a lot of people refer to it as, you know, fixed very fixed ratio. Okay, you've got to get this right. Here we go. So there's continuous reinforcement schedules, which are the CRS. Uh, it's really just one-to-one reinforcement. Every time you do a response, you get something for it, right? Um, there's also, you know, a fixed 
ratio. Um, there's a fixed interval. There's a variable ratio and a fixed ratio. Do we want to go through those? No. So those <laughs> are no, we don't in the technical <laughs> terms, which basically mean different ways to give reinforcement quickly or slowly or every response, every other response, time-based, response-based. There are different ways to describe how we give reinforcement and how to thin that schedule. So we're going to talk about it in less technical terms and more how that actually plays out. When you have a student who's on a reinforcement schedule, most students will start with what we call one-to-one reinforcement, meaning every response gets them access to reinforcement. And then we want to talk about fading that. And how does that look? Real question is, well, why do we want to fade reinforcement? We all go, yeah, yeah, we need to fade reinforcement. And, you know, we want to fade reinforcement, not just because Shira gets those questions asked in her training, um, but because it really is important to fade reinforcement. We can't walk around, you know, expecting an M&M after every response. By the way, I don't typically give M&Ms for any responses, but I also typically don't walk around expecting a high five for absolutely everything I do. Um, so we do need to make sure that we're fading because reinforcement shouldn't be forever. Um, reinforcement also shouldn't be external. Like we don't, well, sure, there's probably a few things we do because external, externally, like, you know, I go to work every day because I need a paycheck and get that piece of it. But a lot of the things that I do are really about, you know, my internal motivation to do something. And we want to really try and shift that in our learners from, you know, you know, earning external reinforcement to I do this because I really actually enjoy this. And the other important reason is because a lot of the skills that we perform on a regular basis are usually being maintained by what we call like intermittent reinforcement on a very thin schedule. And that's a lot of like real life. Sometimes what you do works and gets you what you want, and sometimes it doesn't. And that's the strongest way to maintain skills is by having them reinforced intermittently or sporadically or randomly, right? Sometimes you um, go to Starbucks and get a free drink and sometimes you have to pay and it's not free, like, oh, well. Um, But it still maintains your behavior because it's that sometimes, right? It's why we check our phones when we get an email because sometimes it's going to be important or sometimes the text message is going to be from someone I want to hear from. So that's how most skills are maintained in real life. And that's what we want to simulate for our learners. I also think about, you know, uh, starting a new job, whether it's us starting a new job or staff coming on and we're training them. You know, at the very beginning, we're giving a lot of feedback to new employees, a lot of feedback, right? Hey, you're doing a really great job. Hey, how's it going? You know, you're checking in almost every day with them. And then, you know, after they've been there for a couple of weeks, you're checking in every, so, you know, every couple of days or maybe once or twice a week and that's it. Um, and then, you know, six months in, you're checking in just every so often, right? And that's really about that reinforcement too. Um, yes, staff, I ABA you all the time and you don't even know it. <laughs> um, so it's really to promote that independence piece, right? Yes, you know, feel comfortable, that skill acquisition piece. And then I'm going to fade that so that you can be independent and you don't need me saying great job every two seconds. And then it's generalization and maintenance. And it's also because reinforcement is really for the skills that are new, that are in acquisition. They're not mastered yet. But as skills get mastered, we're introducing new skills into acquisition. So there will always be some form of reinforcement. We want to like make room for the new skills that we're learning by fading out the reinforcement on the mastered skills. So it's kind of this cycle of like out with the old, in with the new, and using the reinforcement for the things that are right now hard. Our, you know, our learners are struggling with them right now. They're in acquisition. So this is where the reinforcement's going. 
Sometimes with specific learners, I don't even need a formal plan to fade reinforcement. Like Shira said, it's just out with the old and in with the new. And, you know, you've got those skills. And now that I'm reinforcing another new skill that I want to teach, you know, the old skills I'll use as, you know, just intermittently throw them in to make sure that my learner is maintaining them. And I don't really need to give any reinforcement for those. And that's okay for learners. Um, Other learners, it needs to be a little bit more systematic than that. And we need to have a plan or sometimes even a written plan or, you know, goals of like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. Um, But just in general, I mean, Shira talked about the ratios of reinforcement, right? So going into from a one-to-one to, to, you know, I'm going to reinforce maybe approximately every couple responses or approximately every three or four responses, I'm going to start, you know, reinforcing instead of every one-to-one response. So it's really about just reducing the frequency of when you're offering that reinforcement. You can also reduce the magnitude of reinforcement, which means you can reduce how much reinforcement you're giving, right? So if it's praise, instead of going, wow, that was really amazing. Great job. You know, it can be just like, hey, that was amazing. Or sometimes, you know, I'll be talking and we'll be doing something with a learner. And all I do is put out my fist for a fist pump. And that can be enough as I'm gradually fading out that reinforcement. I like to make it go from like something being very predictable to something just being a little bit more random. So whatever the technical term is for that, um, it's just about like, you don't know, like sometimes it's going to be every response. Sometimes it's every other. Sometimes it's going to be like, oh, wow, that's an amazing job. And sometimes it's going to be like, all right, let's, let's move on. Um, and that just makes it less predictable because the goal is not to never access reinforcement. The goal is that the behaviors maintain and the responses maintain Um, when reinforcement is unpredictable. So we can kind of simulate that unpredictable nature of reinforcement throughout the sessions. Sometimes um, you can just do this by gradually, you know, increasing the requirement needed to earn reinforcement. And I think about that in some type of chaining procedure, for instance. So if I'm teaching a life skill of, say, I don't know, washing hands, you you look at that chain and, you know, I used to reinforce for, you know, every time, you know, every step of the way. And now maybe I'm reinforcing, you know, every second step or, you know, I'm making sure that the learner can go through the entire chain before there's reinforcement given. Um, Something like putting away materials. You know, so, you know, learner might have to, um, you know, complete a task and, you know, as soon as a task is completed, it used to be, hey, wow, that was a really great job. But now they have to complete the task and then they have to clean it up and put it back in the basket. And then it's a really great job. And then guess what happens? The basket needs to go back on the shelf and they need to come back to sit down before I say, hey, that was amazing. So we can really just increase that response requirement before reinforcements offered. The other thing we could do is often reinforcement starts off by happening like as immediate to the behavior as possible. Like as soon as they come sit down, like right away, there's, you know, reinforcement or token or toy available. So what we could do is increasing the amount of time between the response and the reinforcement. You could do that either with something like a time delay. So you just wait a couple seconds and see if like you can stretch it out a little bit. Or you could do it by moving towards, you know, secondary reinforcers. So instead of accessing, you know, a toy or a primary reinforcer every single time, they could get, you know, a token or a star or a point. And that also delays the amount of time that they can access, you know, those, the, the real reinforcement. I mean, hopefully you pair the token or the point or the tally with reinforcement. So they are reinforcing. So technically they are still accessing reinforcement, but they're not you know, trading them in for another little while. So we might start students on a token system that their token board is finished every 10 minutes. And that's like a really quick pace of reinforcement. And then our goal might be either moving to 10 tokens 
And then those 10 tokens last about an hour. And then those 10 tokens, you know, might last for like a couple hours. You want to kind of hit that sweet spot where they're still getting feedback and they can continue to get that feedback Um, and building up that, you know, like Shana said, the intrinsic motivation, like I'm doing this because I'm doing a good job. And I like to get the feedback from somebody letting me know that I'm done or that I, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. They can still get the feedback. But in terms of it accessing, you know, some sort of reinforcement, like a toy or an activity that they like or a break or something like that, we can kind of stretch that out through token systems, token boards, where they can get the feedback, but not access that, you know, primary enforcer until a little bit later. Uh, Then going from token boards, you know, once students have mastered a token board or understand that token board or a token board can last a few hours, you know, then we could move to something like a behavior contract. And a behavior contract, you know, starts to move from external reinforcement to internal or that intrinsic motivation, which is, hey, you know, did I do a good job at this? Or, hey, at recess time, you know, I needed to do this, this, and this. These are the behaviors that I need to engage in, you know, during recess time, circle time, whatever it is. And, you know, the teacher or somebody reviews that ahead of time. And then as soon as that activity is done, the teacher reviews it again afterwards with the student and says, yep. Great, 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 no problem. And then they can earn a token or reinforcement or something. So you're moving that token board to a behavior contract. And then from a behavior contract where the teacher has to review it with the student, you can move that to what's called a self-monitoring system. And a self-monitoring system is where that, you know, whereby a student is actually just going, okay, I know the quote unquote rules or guidelines for recess. Let me look at this and let me, you know, talk about it truthfully and say, yep, 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 I did this. Awesome. And then just check in at the end of the day with someone. And another way to make the reinforcement system more natural, especially for a classroom, is we'll often start kids with like a token system or something like that and move it towards like, you know, following a schedule. And that schedule can can consist of preferred and less preferred activities. And that's kind of how they access reinforcement. So it's not about like finishing a token board and then, you know, getting to, to play outside, but it's about, well, we finished, you know, math. So we're going to go play outside. And then after we do that, we're going to do literacy and then we're going to, you know, have a music break. So it's more about following a certain schedule that accesses some sort of like a break or reinforcement. And that's actually really natural to what a lot of us do in our regular schedule, right? Like we have our preferred activities kind of interspersed throughout our day so that we can like have our coffee break and like watch Netflix and We know when those are happening and those kind of act as reinforcers of us doing the things that might be less preferred. I like what you said about natural consequences or not even consequences, but just what's naturally reinforcing in the environment. And I think about a classroom situation, right? So if a student has done all their math that they need to do, um, but it's still, you know, math period, then what happens? You know, sometimes I've seen in a classroom, the teacher says, great, well, you can go on to the next page that's not reinforcing. Um, But if the teacher says, hey, wow, that was amazing. You finished all of your math and we still have 10 minutes left. Go play or go access, you know, a preferred book or magazine or something. Um, Then that's what's motivating to a student. Um, Oftentimes I'll look at someone's morning routine or nighttime routine. And I get comments from parents of I can't get my kid out the door in the morning. And I say, well, let's look at the morning routine. And it's not about adding tokens or some type of reinforcement system. All it is is sometimes just moving around the activities so that instead of watching YouTube before breakfast, you know, YouTube comes in after breakfast or instead of, you know, eating breakfast right away, it's getting through everything and then eating breakfast and then accessing YouTube before they, you know, wait for the bus. So those types of things. And sometimes you can just play around with that schedule. 
And remember not to fade it too quickly. Like sometimes people think, wow, they're doing so great. So I'm just going to pile on the work or pile on the expectations. But even when they're doing well, that is the time to use the reinforcement. Don't wait until it's falling apart and then bring back the reinforcement. Like fade it slowly. So when you're thinking about in the classroom situation, you know, even talking to teachers about, you know, check marks on a page or social praise and offering that um, can be great ways of fading out reinforcement. So every person is going to be different. And that process of fading reinforcement is going to depend on the individual and their progress. So you want to individualize that process of, of fading and be flexible. You may have to like go back and fade it a little bit and then bring it back depending on how they're doing. And that's where the data come in, right? So we can look at the data and know, um, are we fading it too quickly? Can they handle a little bit more? Um, so it's important to really find that sweet spot of like, you know, it's still acting as intermittent reinforcement, but they're not becoming too dependent on that one-to-one reinforcement. For more about reinforcement, check out uh, our other videos as well in terms of how to use reinforcement properly. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How To ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.